This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Uh, Walter Rigabon here with my co-host, Naz Marchese, and our uh, roving reporter in studio this morning, Mark Kennedy. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Anyways, it was a uh, tennis was the big news in uh, in Toronto this week, uh, and in Montreal. Uh, we didn't get the result that I think we would have liked uh, when we talked about tennis with uh, with the uh, CEO of Tennis Canada last week. Uh, things didn't exactly go to plan, but uh, it was a great week of tennis, and it's going to cap off today with uh with Roger Federer one of the if one of the greats if not the greatest player of all time uh challenging uh John Wilfred Songa and Venus Williams and Redwanska in uh, Montreal anyways we're uh, pleased to have on the line with us this morning to talk tennis um former Canadian Davis Cup captain from the early 70s uh Harry Fauquier he's a Davis Cup captain a team member of the Davis Cup for Canada Competed at the French Open and Wimbledon and U.S. Open in the 1960s and certainly knows Canadian tennis uh, inside out. Uh, Harry, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining us this morning. Not at all. My pleasure. It's been, a, been an interesting week of tennis uh, this week at, uh, at the Rexall Center. I know that you've been there, uh, spent quite a bit of time there this week. Your impressions of the tournament? Well, each year as I watch the players get bigger and better and faster and stronger and better coached, I'm, you know, I'm amazed at the game that I used to play and love so much has come so far. It's very gratifying to see how well this game has progressed. And uh, tennis in Canada, what's the state of the game? Well, it's like when everybody's pulling together for a long, long, long time, sometimes you get a turn at the top, and I think this is our turn right now. You know, all the all the the, the public institutions and the in the provincial and national associations have all been working very hard and long for for this nice, sophisticated game that we all love. And, and now I think it's our turn to spend some time in the sun. Now, when you say it's our turn to uh, spend some time in the sun, and I know we had this uh, a, a brief discussion about it. Canada's a small, small nation, uh, tennis-wise, uh, but there's other small nations that have done uh, have done incredibly well. I guess Sweden being uh, an interesting example. Sweden having a northern climate, uh, having winter, long winters, but they've uh, produced some uh, some of the best tennis players of all time. Uh, Canada are uh, 
are we are we starting at ground zero or uh, where where's the Canadian no, tennis not, scene? Not, not at all. Canada has always had a very solid tennis tradition. Uh, it was and it's always been the top of the tier two sports, but it's been you know it's it's been thriving in the country for a long long time. There's a real history here, so we're you know we're not just going from zero to a hundred now, and because tennis is on the radar screen. You know, in my day and days after that, we always had some very, very solid journeyman tennis players. We just never had anybody uh, that was breaking through. The first Canadian, and I still call him a Canadian, was Greg Rosetsky, and he was very prominent, but he took advantage of a financial opportunity and moved to England. But we've always had some good players and, you know, solid journeymen. So, it's you know, we're always in the game. We're always in the top 20 or 30 countries in the, in the world for sure. You know, and that doesn't register much on the radar screen. But but now we've got some players that are breaking through into the semifinals and, and finals of major events, and that's, uh, um, you know, made us shine ni- nicely in the media. Harry, can I ask you about uh, two players currently, Eugenie Bouchard and uh, Milos Raonic? First, I want to get to, uh, to Eugenie. Where do you uh, see her future uh, in women's tennis? Oh, I think she's got a very... Uh, a very good future. She's got a very solid game, but the most important aspect of her game is she she's very tough mentally. She's very focused. She has a singleness of purpose. And at the level that she wants to go to, that's the most important thing. Quite often you can overcome physical difficulties and and, and technical difficulties if you have that tremendous will. And I, I think she has that. I think she stumbled a little bit last week, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be a game breaker at all for her. I see good things ahead for her. Question about Milos Raonic. I've uh, kind of have this opinion, and I'm not sure if the listeners do, but I have a. I just my feeling is that he's not physically fit. Uh, oh no! You know what? I think you're wrong. I, I think he's very fit. I watched him since he's broken onto the tour, and he's uh, and he struggles with movement because of his of his body type. But he's a, he's a very bright guy, and as, when I watch him, I see every match he plays. Sometimes he doesn't play as well as other times. But he's always working on his movement, and he's always making small incremental changes to his game. So he's, he, and I don't think it's fitness. Uh, I think he's, you know, he he struggles with movement. You know, other players struggle with other aspects of the game. But I mean, for somebody who serves better than anybody who ever lived, I think that's that's not for a bad sure. Trade-off. Um, just uh, our listeners, let our listeners know once again, we're speaking with Harry Fouquier, who's uh, uh, one of the uh, best-known names in tennis in Canada. Um, former Davis Cup captain and played in, in majors and knows the game as, as well as anybody in Canada. Um, Milos Raonic is currently ranked, uh, I believe, sixth in the world, sixth or seventh. I think it's sixth. I, I think I think sixth. I, I think yeah. sixth. Which is, uh, and we have to congr- I mean, that, that's that's a very very uh, very high ranking, and uh, as high a ranking as any Canadian has ever achieved. And he's still very young, and so he still has. Uh, a lot of room for improvement. Uh, I wouldn't say improvement, but to move up. But uh, moving up uh, seems to be uh, a difficult thing in today's tennis world because there's the top four, and that's that's a real nuff, tough nut to crack. Um, Harry, what does Milos have to do in his game to move to the next level? Oh, I think he—I think he's on a program that he believes in himself. He's making small incremental changes and improvements to his game. I think he has the right coach, uh, who's you know got him firmly under control, 
And, you know, Roger Federer won't be around forever. Nadal may succumb to injuries. Djokovic will always be there, and I don't see perhaps him beating him very regularly, but uh, he should he should just stay on the same course that he's on, uh, and, he, and he's working very hard. So I, I don't know if he can get to number one. Nobody really knows that. However, strange things have happened. You see what happened to Stanislav Wawrinka when he won the, uh, the Australian. You know, this, the game is very, very physical, and you never know what can happen to end somebody's career or to, you know, send them off on a on a side street for a while, and then somebody like Milos might squeeze in there for a bit. So he's a, it, it's a, you know, where he is now, it's a very tough road to the top. However, he's within striking distance. I think he can see it and he can smell it. And so I think he's just going to continue to keep on working. So, I mean, I, I don't know if he can get to number one. We all want that to happen, um, but nobody really knows, not even Milos. So but it's worth working for. Harry, the technology in tennis today, compared to when you played uh, in, this, in the in the mid '60s or late '60s and early '70s, the rackets we we see golf clubs how they've evolved. How does how is tennis in that case? Just about the same. And they you, the guys today, the rackets are just enormously more powerful than when we were playing. We played with wooden rackets. We had good quality gut, but you couldn't really blast the balls like the guys can today. And everybody's big, you know bigger than when we played, and uh, they're stronger. They're better coached, and uh, the rackets have made a, have made a huge difference. Not only that, but. The, the other aspect of it is that everybody knows a lot more about the, the physical culture of tennis, how hard you have to work off the court in order to perform on the court. And uh, everybody's doing a lot more off-court work now than, than we ever did. Um, Harry, you operate um, uh, a tennis court construction company called Tenix, and it's a very, very successful company. You've built, uh, from, from what I understand, over 3,000 tennis courts around the world. You're responsible for the tennis courts at the Rexall Center and, and some other major venues. And I want to talk to you about something about surfaces in tennis. Uh, they talk about this being we're into the hard court season and we've got a clay court season and we've got a grass. Um, tell us a little bit, why does the surface, how does that make a difference in the game and why are some tennis players able to excel on some surfaces and not on others? Mostly it's what you're taught when you start out. And if you start out on, a, on hard courts, uh, and you, you know, that, you know, a hard court game is a, is a power game. You know, all tennis is a power game now, but, but tennis on hard courts, if you have a big serve, you're, you know, you can go farther faster. And it's, uh, you know, the ball picks up speed, you know, there's less time. You know, on clay courts, there's a lot more time. It's a little more sophisticated and, uh, you, you, you play different types of shots and you need a, you need more more types of shots in your game than you do in a hard court game. You know, a hard court tennis is is the first strike usually sets up the point and you win it. You know, big forehands, big serves, that sort of stuff. So that's, and the grass and they are they are different games and they suit different um, you know mind types and body types as well. And uh, have have the lines sort of blurred in uh, the difference between the types of courts and that you know some players are now you know able obviously able to win major championships on all surfaces well if you if you grow up on learning how to play tennis on clay it's relatively easy to adapt your game to uh, hard courts and uh, and grass courts but if you grow up on hard, on hard courts and you don't 
it's very difficult to learn the subtleties of a clay court game. So that's where somebody, for instance, who is a, truly a great player, Pete Sampras, you know, grew up on hard courts and he was able to win so many things, tournaments, but he was never able to win the French. It's because he didn't have the subtleties and the other, you know, the various spins, the things that you need on on uh, on, on a clay court to win a major championship. Harry, uh, we want to thank you for taking the time and, and talking to us this morning. Uh, we've had on the line Harry Fauquier, who's uh, one of our tennis uh, uh, greats from the past. Uh, if I can say that, uh, Harry, we really appreciate your time and your, and your expertise. Uh, thanks so much for coming in. I know you'll be at the final this afternoon. We've got Roger Federer uh, who's going to put on a show for us and, uh, and uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the matches. Thank you very much. I encourage everybody to go and watch Federer because one of these days he's not going to be yeah. around. And to my mind, he's he's got the best game that ever was. So if you can, if you get a chance, watch him play. He's great. Thank you once again, Harry. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that was Harry Fauquier, uh, former Canadian Davis Cup captain, uh, talking tennis. Before we go to break, I just want to announce uh, coming back after the break, Angelo Mosca, and we also want to announce our contest for this Sunday. We'll be giving away a free golf lesson with Sean Clement, who will be on at the bottom of the hour, to the fifth caller. Give us a call at 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. A free golf lesson with Sean Clement. Um, we'll be back after the break with Angelo Mosca. There's an old saying... Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. 
The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on the new AM740, live from Liberty Village. Um, we have a special guest, but before we go to that, just want to remind listeners of our contest to win a golf lesson with Sean Clement, uh, fifth caller. Give us a call, 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. On the line with us this morning, the living legend, a multiple Hall of Famer, uh, certainly a name that everybody will recognize, Angelo Mosca. Good morning, Angelo. Good morning, a pleasure. It's it's our pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Good morning, Angelo. How are you this morning? Oh, pretty good. You know, I, I don't play any sports anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you you bring back great memories, uh, especially in your CFL career and your wrestling career. And uh, I was uh, marveling at at how uh, how you survived the wear and tear of football and wrestling, especially as you were a top notch performer in both how did you do it well i'll tell you one thing i I was talking about this the other day and i i spent a lot of hours in the gym training and keeping in good shape i never did use any steroids or any additives to my body and if you see my body today it's still not bad shape but i'm very happy that i've never put a steroid in this body at all Angelo, how prevalent is was that in uh, in both football and uh, wrestling? I, I, when did it wasn't as much in the early years, like the uh, uh, late fifties and sixties, as much as it was in the seventies and eighties. Going on, where guys, a lot of guys, used a lot of steroids in the gym, and I used to go in front of the mirror and. I used to look at my arms and I said NS, and they said what's that? I said no steroids, boys. <laughs> That's terrific. Angelo, uh, we have on the line once again uh, Angelo Mosca talking to him about uh, wrestling, football. I've got to tell you, Angelo, um, you also bring back fantastic memories uh, for myself uh, in my uh, young years when I first fell in love with sports. And, I, and uh, please don't take this the wrong way. No. But I hated you, and I'll tell you, I loved you. And I'll tell you why both. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. First, I'll tell you why I hated you, and then I'll tell you why I loved you. I hated you because I hated the Hamilton Ticats. I was an Ottawa Rough Rider fan uh, when I grew up in the 1960s, and you used to beat up on all my favorites, Russ Jackson, uh, Ronnie Stewart, uh, Whit Tucker, some of of my early heroes. And uh, the one thing the Ottawa Rough Riders always had is they always had a tough time with the Hamilton Ticats and and you and John Barrow in the middle of the line. You were you you two guys were just fearsome. So uh, and you were a tough cookie, but I respected you. you uh, but let me tell you why I loved you. I loved you because you came from the same heritage I came from. Uh, you were born into uh, you have Italian ancestry as both yep. Naz and I do, and uh, you were born in the north side of Boston. Yep. Uh, to a large family. Um, uh, haven't had the opportunity to read your book, but I've had I've read clips from it, and and I'm aware of a, a tough upbringing you've had. But tell me how uh, tell me how your Italian heritage uh, shaped you in certain ways, and why it's still important to you. Well, I, I still think it's very important to me because uh, 
I carried it on through, and and every time that there was a story written, they always asked me what uh, I used to, still an Italian. I said, "Am I ever?" And proud of it. And but that's the way it went, and I I just uh, I just socked it right into the ground and did things my way. It's as bad as the other guys singing the song. I did it my way, and a lot of guys didn't like the way I played. But I'll tell you one thing. I had a lot of guys still remember me and and, and still like me. The CFL today compared to the the CFL back in your day, Ange, what's the difference? I, I, I don't think they present themselves physically enough. Uh, the game is made to be played one way, tough. And I see all the motion going on and all the different uh, uh, backgrounds running here, running there, and uh, not uh, no offense to the game at all. And um, it was guys like Trimble and Sazio who put the speed into our game. But now we got, I, I don't know why the referees don't call penalty, more penalties because of all the stuff that's going on, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, we have on the line again, once again, Angelo Mosca. Angelo, you, um, you hold the record for uh, attendances in the most great cups. I believe you hold that together with, with John Barrow, nine great cups. Yeah, um, there's uh, one uh, out west. There's one fellow from Edmonton Eskimos. I think he played in ten. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah has uh, I played in nine. Okay, and you're five-time uh, all-star. You were t- me. You were five-time all-star in the CFL. Twice the best East offensive lineman. Um, defensive. Uh, sorry, defensive lineman, and um, and you're ob- unquestionably. Um, one of the best linemen that ever played in the CFL. Do you think you get as much respect as you should for that, or is your reputation as a tough guy sort of taken away from that? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I, 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 I've always walked along the street and held my head high and talked to everybody. And uh, there's nothing. I, I got a, a, a schoolboy, my coach, Zeno rates Mosca finest schoolboy tackle he has ever seen. <laughs> and this is going back to 1953-54 from my high school. I, you know, Angie, I tell my kids, uh, they're 19 and 25, how popular the CFL was back then. And uh, you, NF, great, NF, really good, potentially NFL players came to play here. Yep. Now, um, the import rule. Does that have any effect on the CFL today? I remember back when I went to school. I'm going to show my age here. I'm a little younger than you, Ange, but yeah. I remember Dick Aldridge. He was a uh, uh, he's since passed away, but Dick uh, was the uh, coach of Westview Centennial, and we played against him. And uh, they were they held teaching jobs back then, and were able to play football at the same time. But the import rule, wasn't there a rule that you played so many years you became a Canadian? And why would they abolish that now? I don't know why they would abolish it, because I haven't really paid much attention. But I was, I, I, I was in my 10th year, and I became a Canadian. And then Barrow and myself were uh, 
on the line. Uh, Hamilton had about seven or eight guys that that uh, took that rule and used it and ran with it. And uh, we were pr- proud to be uh, Canadians. And uh, I, I don't know what people are turning their backs on it, but I just think it's sad that we're not reusing this. I mean, a guy comes to, to a country and works his butt off to become a Canadian, and then, boom, then they give him the papers, and then he just runs with it. And Barrow and I were the first two guys, and we played defensive tackle together for about 12 years. So it it tells the right story. Uh, talking about those uh, great Hamilton Ticat teams from the from the fifties and sixties, and they, there were certainly a lot of uh, greats of the game on on that team: uh, Garney Henley, Joe Zuger, Don Southern, Bernie Filoni. Oh uh, yeah. How how tight knit of a group was that? Do you do these do these these teams from the fifties and sixties still have reunions, alumni gatherings, those types yeah, of things? Yeah, we do. Uh, we sure do. Uh, matter of fact, I was just talking to one the other day, and his name is Bobby Kraus. I sure remember Bobby Kraus. And Bobby's getting operated on this yeah. this Tuesday for a knee operation. But uh, I mean, we have lots of guys. Willie Bethia uh, called me up the other day. We still have good camaraderie, and it's kind of nice to say hello to your old buddy and talk talk about it. But, you know, the biggest thing about our team was if you could make it in the locker room, you could make it on the field. And our locker room was uh, more stories come out of that locker room than Carter has <laughs> lived well, we, we can it only a fun time. We can only imagine. And uh, I remember Ralph Sazio. Tell us a little bit uh, what it was like to play for Ralph Sazio. Well, Ralph, Ralph was a tough individual, and he coached tough. And he he was a hard nosed guy. He didn't stand for any nonsense at all. And uh, he just said, "Have some fun, get here early, then forget about it, and let's go on the field and go to work." And that's the way Ralph was. And that's the way we practiced. And that's the way we uh, uh, ran with the ball. I saw a couple of quotes. Uh, uh... Uh, that you were uh, you've made over the years, um, in, in in some instances you called today's. Uh, I don't think you're being personal about this. I think it's just your comment on on the way the game is played. You always call them sissies. Uh, <laughs> uh, in your day, uh, in your day, uh, you, you know you were you were head slapping and you were clotheslining and. Uh, it was all legal stuff too. It was yeah. all legal stuff and. Uh, when you when you hear, uh, have they softened the game too much, uh, Angelo? I think so. The the game has really uh, softened. The, uh, there's no offense to the game anymore. We uh, Hamilton has a pretty good running back. I I can't think of his name. His number thirty two. I do know his name. His number. But this guy here only carries the ball five and six times a game, and they're missing a certain part of the game. Uh, running, running the ball, and I don't know what's happened to it. Everybody wants to throw the ball as fast and as far as they can, and I just think uh, it's the wrong part of the game that's discussing. How would George Reed have done in the game today? He was one of those. Uh, George back- Reed could not play in today's game because 
George Reed was 15 to 20 times carrying the ball. It's just like when Jerry McDougal was a running back here. If you saw Jerry McDougal, you wouldn't believe the, uh, the size of him and Cookie Gilchrist. They're probably two of the biggest running backs I've ever seen in my life. And uh, Trimble knew how to use these guys. Who's the toughest guy you ever played against, Ange? There's a guy named Chuck Walton. He wound up uh, playing in the NFL, and unfortunately he passed away. But he was a great offensive guard. I, oh, he come out, we played fire and brimstone. That's the way we played the game. And that's the way I love to play the game. I used to love to uh, play the game and physically and, and uh, motivate yourself. And uh, I don't think there's, there's enough motivation today. They don't take care of themselves. They don't know how to take what, what, what you do is you take care of yourself and then you forget about the game when it's over with. And uh, we don't carry it off the field or on, on the field collectively. And I just think that the game is not played as tough today. And you uh, went in, in into wrestling part-time while you were playing football. And I believe you went into it full-time. Yeah. We grew yeah, up in um, an era. We grew up in an era... Wally and I especially, that uh, wrestling was, we were kids, and wrestling was the thing. There wasn't a lot on TV, but professional wrestling was the thing, and you were probably one of the most popular guys around when we were watching. Yeah, I, I, I came, or I, uh, I entered the wrestling at the right time. It was a hot uh, time. You know, I was still a big guy. I was well over 300 pounds and agile, mobile, and hostile, and talk the way you want to talk with the walk. <laughs> and, but we did all the stuff physically, and that was a fun part of the game. It was really, I enjoyed wrestling. I wrestled for over 30 years, and uh, the body's a wreck now, but I still feel pretty good. And uh, I'll never forget when I went to Montreal, and, and uh, they said, we're going to make you a professional wrestler. And I said, well, what do we got to do? And they showed me different things. And uh, I'm, I met some great, great wrestlers at the time. How did you come up with the name King Kong Moscow? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems, it seemed, oh, I'm sure it uh, seemed like pretty obvious, but... Uh, yeah, I guess so. I was the original King Kong Moscow in wrestling. I, I got to tell you, I didn't like you when you were in the ring, Angelo. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, that's you know that's, I you know what I, I you know I you you play you played I guess the, the, they used to call you guys heels in those days. Yeah, you, you had what faces and heels? Is that uh, at one time you were you, were you ever a face at any time a baby face? Uh, I know I know it's pretty tough with that face of yours, but uh, well, I'll never forget. Uh, please take no offense. Uh, name uh, Maurice Vachon. Do you remember that? Mad name? Dog, yeah, the yeah. Mad Dog. Mad Dog Vashon. Yeah. I'll never forget him and I were in the ring together in a in a tag team match. And uh, we were against, uh, they had the guy who was, a, uh, oh, he, he was from Minnesota. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name now. Anyway, we were against him and we turned them all around. We were so hated so much, we turned around uh, we became well liked. 
<laughs> and, uh, that must have I been pretty to, tough. I almost laugh looking at Maurice. Maurice was one tough individual. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You know what I remember the most? I remember uh, being Italian myself. Uh, you you did wrestle the Sheik, right? You wrestled both Sheiks, right? The Iron Sheik and then the other Sheik. Okay, the other the Sheik. The one who had the weasel. The other as Sheik. I remember Abdullah Farouk, who was the weasel, right? Yes, yeah, was, I'm going to bring uh, stuff back, and I, I, this is pretty funny. And I remember yeah. Abdullah Farouk going Mosca, which means fly in Italian, right? Right. And he's, and they and the sheik would take a fly out of the air and eat it. I know. <laughs> Try to get my goat because that was a way of doing things. And if you if you presented it to the people and they reacted, you use it. And that's one thing that. Uh, the, the guys in the business today don't know how to do is how to react to people. I, I got, you, you learn a lot of things. And then all of a sudden I became one of the nice guys in the business. Uh, you had at one point in time, uh, I think, a manager by the name of Captain Lou Albano? Yes, well, uh, when I first went to New York. Okay. Uh, I, I must say, Angelo, Captain Lou Albano was my favorite manager of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> tell me, how did you end up with Lou Albano? And, and tell me a little bit about your hijinks with him. Well, uh, Lou, Lou, Lou almost wanted to take you over. Uh, and uh, we got into an argument outside the ring because I wasn't going to do it his way. But uh, I'm the guy who has to do all the work. And uh, Lou, Lou just tried to push me aside. And uh, she listened to me. I said, no, you listen to me and hand it back to me. And uh, it worked, though. It worked. Because I was the type of guy that I didn't want to be lifted to, to do, do, do do what he wanted to do. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And it was kind of a classic, really. Anyways, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on the new AM740 uh, radio. We have on uh, on the line with us living legend Angelo Mosca. Um, Angelo, I must say, I have to tell you this, uh, I think Gene Kaniski really was Canada's greatest athlete. No, you're going <laughs> to argue with me now. Okay. Now you're going to get me my goat. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Gene. But you, you, you guys, you guys were... You and I... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> took, took a wrestling match and we were there but let's see we got 10 different matches out of this one thing saying who's the Canada's greatest athlete <laughs> <laughs> God rest his soul Gene was a great man he, he, he unbelievable he was a classic he really was He's, I used he to love watching watching his interviews he was the best I gotta ask you uh, did you ever uh, ever wrestle uh, big the big cat Ernie Ladd, who actually was my favorite wrestler? No, unfortunately, Ernie and I, Ernie was more or less in the south, southwest, but Ernie was a great athlete at the time, and unfortunately, Ernie passed on too yeah. early in life. He was a great character, you know. This guy was six nine, six ten, and he could do anything he wanted, and. Uh, did you ever take on Abdullah the Butcher? Oh, gosh, yes. Well, many, we, many, many times. We, we had him on the show uh, way, way uh, a few months back. And uh, is he as crazy uh, uh, outside as he was in the ring? No, nah, he's just a tough individual, that's all. Yeah, Ab Ab Abdullah is, is not a youngster anymore. 
I don't know how he goes in that ring. But uh, I, I was in Japan with him one time and uh, together. And he, he, what a character to be around, I'll tell you one thing. Who's the craziest guy you ever wrestled? Craziest. Anybody who has to go to work in a wrestling ring has got to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, had a, I, I enjoyed the business. I was tailor-made for that business. I loved putting on my trunks and my boots and going to work. It was just a lot of fun. I don't think the, the, the games passed a lot of guys by, and I don't think that they gave, give the business enough credit for what it's done for them. As much as it had done for me, the business was good. Good for me. I, I know people didn't like me. I didn't care. It didn't bother me at all. And and uh, when they meet me outside the ring, they found out I wasn't a bad guy. No, not at all. Now, um, we were talking this morning. You have a book book that was published, I think, in two thousand and twelve or two thousand and eleven. Yeah. Tell me to your to my face, right? Yep. We were trying to figure out what commercial that you were on with that line. Shick razor blades. Shick razor blades. That's it. Yeah. Come and tell me to my face. Come and tell me to my face. You scared me in that commercial too, Angelo. <laughs> you, you scared me you in what, that I've, commercial too. I've met nice people like you guys, and anytime you want to call me, you can call me, and I'll give you anything you want. Angelo Mosca with us on the AM seven forty radio. Andrew, got a couple more minutes with us? Sure. Uh, uh, we do want to ask you about uh, the infamous Joe Cap incident. Oh, and I'm sure so, you're. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're. Um, this happened recently in the last couple of years. Yeah, and uh, the only que- the question I have is, um, uh, since that incident, have have, have either have either of you spoken to each other since? Has anybody apologized to each other? No. Uh, has that all been left alone? It's been left alone. Uh, Joe Cap, I'll never forget the day I was there. I hadn't seen Joe Cap in 48 years, and. Uh, I said, Joe, how are you? And he just gave me a nasty face or something. I said, oh, Joe, forget about it then. Uh, I'll forget about it if you don't want to talk about it. And, of course, you're referring to the infamous Willie Fleming incident from the 1963 yeah, right. Grey Cup. Yep. And when I hit Willie Fleming, which was a legal hit, and there wasn't nothing illegal about it. But if you knew where I came from to make that play, I came from 45 yards away. And stretched the field, and Willie Fleming, I went over the top of him, boom, boom, and it was a bang-bang play, and my knee caught the back of uh, Willie Fleming's head, and that was the end of uh, that. But uh, uh, I have never talked to uh, Willie Fleming. I've never really talked to Joe Cap. Uh, Joe Cap, I did see him in about two years ago, I guess three years ago, but he had an axe to grind with me, and I said, how you doing, Joe? He said, he just said, yeah, you ain't worth a piece of you-know-what. I said, oh, I'm very sorry you feel that way about me. So he kept it up, and he he had this flower in my hand, in his hand, and he kept trying to stick the flower up my nose. And I said, you know, I'm going to stick that thing where the sun don't shine to keep it up. So I took the flower and stuffed it in Joe's nose. Then Joe proceeded at it, 
and I took my cane. I had a cane helping help me walk, and I hooked him right by the neck with it, and down we both went. And it's unfortunately Joe Joe didn't last at the Grey Cup that weekend because I don't know he didn't want to do anything that I wanted to do or anybody else wanted to do. I was just there to have fun with the people and. Uh, I played, like I said, nine great cups, and it was a lot of fun and a lot of things to do. But they they didn't have keep Joe. Joe has never come back since. And uh, want to uh, um, in in the short time we have finish this on, off on a little bit more of a positive note. Uh, I understand you you do uh, quite a bit of charity work. You're in, are you still a CFL ambassador? Still uh, involved yeah, with the CFL I, at all? Yeah, I, that, that's what I I give my. Whatever I got, I give to to some of the good kids, kids uh, uh, out there uh, trying to make their way too. And but I learned a lot by having the kids in my corner, and they're the best things that I always tell them: just be nice and be honest to people, and you'll get far ahead in this world. You still involved with the Thai Cats? Oh, I sure am. I'm an I'm an ambassador for them. I uh, I go down to the games. And I go to practice once in a while, see some of the guys. But uh, that's what the game's all about. I'm a lucky guy. I I took care of myself and made sure I took care of the team that played I played for. And I I came. I was let me see. I played 13 years with the Tiger Cats and two years with Otto. So. How do you feel about the current situation with the with the stadium and and um, franchise? Uh, everything coming together with the Tie Cats? Well, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. I, I'd rather not even touch that because I th- I think we're, we're so far away from being ready for that stadium. It's not even funny, and I'm not going to put my fingers where it may. I mean, it's a beautiful looking little stadium. But it's just, it's just too bad we never put the stadium where it really belonged, not where it's at right now. Angie, there's one thing. One thing I have to say to you before we go. Uh, you went out a winner in '72. Mm-hmm. You were a Hamilton Tiger Cat. You won the Grey Cup. You beat. Uh, you won thirteen. Saskatchewan thirteen ten. Right. And uh, you went out a winner in wrestling too. And as far as I'm concerned, you're going to go out a winner here today because you were absolutely terrific with us. Thank you. I sure appreciate it. And if you you have my phone number, and if you want any story, let me tell a story if I got one to tell. <laughs> I'm sure you've got lots to tell. Angela, it's Wally here. I, I, just before we go to commercial break, I know I, I started off the show by saying I hated and I loved you. Uh, right now, the hate is all gone, and I love you. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. And good luck to you. Thanks so much. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. 
Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money, too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We have a few minutes uh, left. That was uh, an interesting interview with the living legend Angela Mosca. I really enjoyed that. Um, and before we uh, have Sean Clement on the line, I just want to remind our listeners that at the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, we are big supporters of the Foundation Fighting Blindness. It's a fabulous organization. Um, who are doing some groundbreaking research, supporting some groundbreaking research, relieving uh, and restoring vision to millions of Canadians. And uh, please support that organization, the Foundation Fighting Blindness, at www.ffb.ca. Anyways, it's time for Sean Clement, our Golf Wisdom segment. Sean Clement, you can find him at wisdomandgolf.com. And also on YouTube, Sean Clement on YouTube. You want to improve your game, uh, please check it out. He's uh, got some great, uh, great ideas on how to improve your golf game, and is uh, is uh, tuned in to thousands and thousands of people, uh, golf fanatics around the world. Sean, are you with us? Morning, guys. Good morning, Sean. Morning. Uh, we want to talk about release this morning, uh, yes, and uh, in the golf swing. Um, and uh, you, you make the point that there are certain things in a golf swing that obviously are physical motion that are very similar uh, to the same type of motion in other sports. Absolutely. And uh, in, the, in the golf swing, um, you talk about a release and how that might be similar to how a tennis player swings a racket how a baseball player, uh, Jose Batista, knocks it out of the park. Yes, sir. Um, and a boxer's punch, interestingly enough. Yes, sir. So, Sean, tell us, uh, tell us where the similarities are and where uh, people looking to improve their golf swing can learn certain things from other sports. Well, everybody can try this right now. If you're sitting, even if you're sitting in your car or at home, 
make a fist palm up, extend your arm fully, and keep your fist palm up, and you're going to feel some nice tension build up in your forearm uh, through the elbow joint and, and into, the, into the bicep. Now, rotate your palm down, and you'll feel that pressure dissipate. Now, keeping the palm down, bring the arm and fold it towards you, and you're going to feel some pressure build up on the top of the forearm near, from the wrist to the elbow. Now go palm up, and you'll feel that pressure dissipate. So the anatomy in the arm is designed to rotate through the action. So you'll notice uh, if, if, you, if you look at, uh, on YouTube, Pete Sampras pronated serve. You'll see as he's approaching the ball, it, all, it looks like the racket is going to split the ball in half, and then there's this beautiful rotation of the arm through the strike and into the follow-through, and this, this beautiful pronation, which is an inward rotation of the, of the arm, the forearm toward the body. Sean, if I can just interrupt that thought for just a second, sure. we have the next caller who calls in gets a free golf lesson with you. Lucky person if they call in, I'm telling you. Right on. they got to come and see you at the Bathurst and 7 Richmond Hill Learning Center. It'll be well uh, worth your while. If you're next to your phones, call in. I tell you, this guy will improve your game. 416 416-360-0740, 1-866-740. 4740. Next caller gets that free golf lesson with you, Sean. Awesome. Awesome. They'd be well worth it. We've done our homework. <laughs> Anyways, the release in the baseball swing. Yeah, well, you'll notice if, you, if every, every one of my students, even those who've never played baseball before, I ask them, you've seen a, a baseball hitter uh, hit a shot. So imagine you're hitting a ball over the pitcher's head and they make a swing. And there's this, if they're right-handed, there's this beautiful release of the right arm over the left arm beyond impact. And I just allow them to be aware of that action. So like when a boxer snaps uh, uh, a jab, it, it doesn't snap it palm up, you know, palm up, you know, toward the, toward the, toward the face. But if he's going through the head, that's what their, Im their imagery is. There's a, a wonderful rotation if there's, no, if there's nothing in the way. The, the, the anatomy needs relief. It needs to release itself. So inevitably, everyone, everyone does this action quite well. And it's uh, like in one of my videos entitled Fencing for Power. It's like you, if you were slashing a fencing sword, the same release in that anatomy would occur. So once you've got a good grasp of that feel... Then you take it into your golf swing and see if you can feel it in your golf swing. And uh, we've, we've got some, you know, that, that's why these analogies work so well, because it's, it's gravity active, acting itself on the anatomy of your body. Now, playing tennis, playing baseball and uh, boxing or whatever, and you, and you do these movements, yeah. um, you really don't think about them. Absolutely and, and, not. And the golf swing should happen the same way? It just, it just happens naturally as a consequence of the swing? Yes. I mean, at first, obviously, if you're a beginner, there are some strange sensations that, uh, that happen in the swing. But if you continue, and this is, this is what we call staying on task. You continue to stay on task and you continue to look for that feel so as long as you have a sensation to base yourself on, if you're a tennis player, you know what it feels like to release a tennis, a tennis serve. If you, even in ping pong, if you know what, you know, if you a nice topspin forehand in ping pong is exactly the same anatomy release. So 
So we take one of those and we put it in the golf swing and have you continue to look for that feel. And then the brain goes, hey, I felt it or I didn't quite feel it yet. And then you just stay on task and all of a sudden, poof, it happens. And, and, then all, and, and then you've got a beautiful frame of reference for your golf swing from, the, from that moment forward. Anyways, once again, we've had with us on the Nazimali Sports Hour, Sean Clement. We've been talking about release in the golf swing and other, uh, and other sports. And, uh, uh, Sean, thanks again uh, for coming on this Sunday morning. I'll be watching Roger, Roger Federer this afternoon and watching for the release in his serve. Absolutely. That, that'll be great homework for all you guys. Thanks again. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again next Sunday. All the best. Thank you, Sean. That was Sean Clement on our Golf Wisdom segment. Naz, you've got the winner of the uh, lesson with Sean Clement. It is Ed Greer from Barrie wins a golf lesson with Sean Clement. Uh, Ed, thank you so much. We'll be in contact with you, making arrangements for you to uh, see Sean, and I'm sure he will certainly improve your game. Anyways, we're down to the last few minutes of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. an interesting event uh, in in town in Canada this week, the Under-20 Golf Tournament. Uh, under <laughs> Golf Tournament, a one-track mind here. The Under-20 Girls Soccer Tournament. And, Mark, you're our soccer guru. Uh, has Canada got a shot in this one? Uh, a very slight, slim shot. Um, of course, calling it a shot, now you've got me thinking that they're using golf clubs down there at um, at the National Soccer Stadium. It was I was there Friday night to see... Um, Canada come from behind and beat Finland three to two, and there was also the North Koreans who were a very impressive team against Ghana. Um, during the tournament, it's only called the National Soccer Stadium because BMO is not a FIFA sponsor. So all of the um, <laughs> all of the the signs, even the seats I was sitting in that are usually white, so that you can read BMO across the empty seats, was covered. Mark, I got to ask you. There's a huge event coming up in Canada next year, the Women's World Cup, and uh, it's going to put Canada on the world radar soccer radar screen. Uh, we don't seem to be doing that well so far in the under-20. Um, how's Canada looking for next year's World Cup? The, the coach of the under-20 um suspects that four or five of the under-20 women will be playing on the senior team. Um, If you were asking me about Canada in the first half against Finland, I would be worried. If you were talking to me about the way they played in the second half when they came from behind scoring three goals, I think it's going to be um, an exciting graduation of talent from the under-20 to the senior team. Um, I saw the senior team play in the London Olympics in 2012, um, except for maybe one or two players. It was a fairly young team, so I think the women in 2015 are, are, are going to be worth watching. I'm not going to predict a, um under-20 championship, though. Mark, do we have a, uh, another Christine Sinclair coming up in the Canadian ranks? I would say that um, I would well, honestly. I would say no. There's not a. a, a but strong, she's a generational yeah, player. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm. I didn't see a, a dominant or that dominant a player or that dominant a scorer. Um, but I think I think the the sport is changing. And as I was saying before about North Korea, um, there is a lot of. Um, strong soccer nations. Uh, I think Canada and the United States had an advantage 
15 years ago that uh, there were not a lot of um, nations that were devoting time to the women's side of, of soccer. And uh, a lot of the world is catching up. And uh, we've got a tough game coming up against North Korea. Is it North Korea or South Korea? It's North Korea. North Bo- Korea coming up. Is that Tuesday night? Yes. And um, is that one in Toronto? No. In fact, we've we've said good. We 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 were host to to Canada for Game One and Game Two, but Game Three will be in Montreal, and we don't. I think Canada would have to qualify for a quarterfinal for Toronto to see them again, and I think it's going to be tough for them to get to the knockout stage. Um, Finland is going to have to do Canada a favor and beat Ghana um, because I don't think Canada is going to be able to beat North Korea. I think a, a, a tie is the best that they could work for. Um, the, the, the North Koreans are a pretty, pretty, pretty adult-looking senior team. They, they, they look like they've been together. As I was joking, they might have been together for six or eight uh, years. It's not bad enough the Italians have problems with the Koreans. Now the Canadians have to have problems <laughs> with the Koreans too. Anyways, we wish Canada the best of luck in that game, and we'd certainly love to see uh, Canada do great on its home soil. Uh, very, very quickly, Naz, in 20 seconds or less, Blue Jays. Big win yesterday. Fantastic baseball game. Marcus Stroman pitched Awesome for the Jays, and he looks like their best pitcher right now. Uh, they're only one and a half games out of a wild card. Baltimore is on a roll, although I get, I think they'll come back to it and they'll settle back to the pack. It'll be a big race come September. Anyways, you've been listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back here again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.